Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Malcast episode. I think this is 15 now. Um, we are very excited tonight to have our good friend Drew Leathers with us tonight. Drew, you want to uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so first thing, it was kind of funny because uh, I had the Malcast Twitch channel <laughs> up in the background, so I heard your voice twice, and I was like, what is going on? Everyone should um, hear my voice twice. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone but me. I hate my yeah. so I am a soon-to-be doctor of occupational therapy. I graduate on May 14th. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself in general. Um, in terms of, like, my interests as far as nutrition and fitness go, um, I'm a marathon runner. I recently ran my third marathon just on Friday. And I, as far as my nutrition stuff goes, I follow a strict vegetarian diet. Um, but I also have a lot of other uh, personal opinions and things about uh, nutrition that we can talk about. But yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So first, uh, first question before we get started with anything else, three marathons. Yes. What is wrong with you? <laughs> if I walk at a brisk pace for two miles, I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. I'm keeled over. I need oh, a cheeseburger. James, Rue is in shape. I okay, muscular okay, but round is a shape. Yes, yeah, round is a shape, but Drew's in a fit shape. <laughs> that we expect from a, a three-time marathoner. Uh, if you say yeah, so. it's definitely an addiction, and I know Patrick can probably attest to that to a yeah. certain point. I mean, running is like being addicted to. The drugs. Yes. Um, well, doesn't it doesn't it really put, like endorphins into your yeah your body? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like if you think about like, um, yeah, the endorphin rush that you get, it's you know, I'm sure you probably get a similar thing from lifting a lot of times. Oh, for sure. Okay, I joke around. I actually don't hate running. It's so the first like half mile or eight minutes, whichever comes first, really really sucks. And then mm -hmm. after that, I kind of get into a rhythm. I'm not fast, but I can get through it. And I don't yeah. hate it. I don't. I don't actually hate it. So, I will throw that out there. Well, the thing that sucks about running is that to really get into it, you have to. It's going to suck at the beginning, and then once you get in good enough shape, then you start to enjoy it. But you really have to put in those like miles and that time at the beginning, and in order to actually like get to a point where you can enjoy running. Otherwise, it just sucks the whole time. Yeah. It's, you know, once you get to the point where you're just running three miles like it's nothing, then that's when it's actually fun. Yeah. Anytime, anytime before that, it's terrible. But <laughs> at that point, it's, pretty good. it's a pretty good time. No, I just Especially when you run with people. Point. So when you have a buddy, it's it's just always better. But uh, so, Drew, you say you're, you're pursuing your doctorate in OT. You're about mm -hmm. a week or so away from completing that. What is the difference between uh, occupational therapy and physical therapy? Yeah, great question. So uh, physical therapy, you know, obviously a lot of people are more familiar with that. Um, so physical therapy focuses on like the biomechanical aspects of rehabilitation. So basically like rehabbing your your muscles, your joints um, in order so that you can you can walk. Um, yeah. You can do like the basic functions that your muscles should be able to do. Um, OTs do a little bit of that, too. But uh, our focus is instead of looking at like the rehab necessarily of the human body and its systems, um, we focus more on kind of like the rehabilitation of activity. So if somebody's injured or if you have a disability, 
And OT will work on helping people relearn how to do the things that they need to do and that they want to do. So things like uh, from as simple as brushing your teeth to as complicated as cooking, taking care of your kids, money management, and uh, even rec and leisure stuff like I'm doing right now, like skiing and um, hiking and camping and rafting and all that sort of thing. Does that, okay. does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot more sense um, with your explanation there. So what, what we're looking at here is more so how to get back to your normal life is essentially what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And that's more of OT's focus. And so, you know, you work collaboratively, collaboratively with PT a lot in the sense that um, PT is really focused on that, those like medicinal model, like getting those structures back to where they need to be while OT is doing that just through the mediated way of your activities. Okay. Um, it's kind of the way to look at it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, and, and you had, you got your bachelor's in psychology. Does that relate at all to, to what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, OT actually began in uh, the mental health field and okay. we've branched out, but, uh, OT has like its roots in um, psychology. And so having that background was really important in terms of thinking like, and just rehab in general, like when you're having someone who's going through such a difficult situation, like how do you help them get back to where they want to be? And a lot of that does have to do with psychology. Okay. Um, so, yeah. so, so OT, so OT is like the mental structures and getting all those regimens back in place, whereas PT would be more like the physical actions of that. Uh, is, is, there, is there a clear distinction there or are they kind of muddled? Yeah, it's kind of muddled. It's, it's really difficult to understand exactly where one begins and where the other okay. ends. But like OT, yes, OT focuses more on vision mental structures, uh, your, your cognitive processes. And it also focuses on, uh, muscular, musculoskeletal, uh, systems, but it's to a lesser extent than PT. While PT is like laser focused in on that stuff, they're the experts in there. While OT, we know enough to be able to do some of the rehab aspects of it, but not like, we're not considered like an expert in like the total body rehabilitation in terms okay. of like, gotcha. That, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like, okay. After my grandmother's surgery, she um, she had both physical therapy and occupational therapy. And then so physical therapy would come in and work with her legs. And then occupational therapy would come in and be like, OK, here's how, what we're going to do so that you'll be able to cook and you'll be able to, yeah. you know, do everything exactly. you need to around the apartment. Exactly, James. That's that's a perfect explanation of it. Um, and, you know, there's other other aspects to it. But at its core, that's really what um, both both will focus on especially in like a acute setting like you're talking about yeah that's what my same similar situation with my dad when he was uh, recovering from his cancer surgery um you know he was in his spinal area like his uh spinal column and uh, they had to take out a whole vertebra so like trying to get him back into just doing basic things was just you know that was a lot of a lot of work on his part and obviously the trainer's part as well yeah um so along with that so you mentioned that you're a vegetarian you follow a strict mm -hmm. vegetarian diet um what is the difference between vegetarianism pescatarianism and veganism i guess as, those, as opposed to like a regular person's diet i guess yeah that's a so regular person's diet yeah like me where <laughs> I like cookies. about that all the time um so the type of vegetarian that i am i consider it's what's traditionally called like a lacto ovo vegetarian okay. which means that you eat milk and eggs and cheese like dairy products and eggs um, is typically what's conceived of as a vegetarian. Like you don't okay. eat no meat, nothing that would actually kill the animal, but you so, like no fish even. 
Yeah, no fish. Okay. Um, and that's a big thing with Catholics. Uh, Catholics yeah. don't believe that fish or seafood is uh, is meat, but I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I so, believe it. God damn it. Yeah, but there's if we want to ever after you know later on we can get into some of the ethical components of it, and there is an argument for why some fish would you know be considered something maybe I would consider eating, but um, and then veganism is no animal products whatsoever. Um, yeah. So that's no eggs, no cheese, no dairy, no meat. But they cook everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. they cook everything. I heard that they don't cook things. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, obviously you don't have to cook as much probably because yeah. like if, if you think about vegetables and fruits and, and grains and stuff, like uh, a lot of that stuff, um, if, if it's not cooked, if it's raw, it's not going to hurt you to eat raw. Yeah. But you eat you know beef raw or chicken raw <laughs> I, I might have eaten beef raw very fairly recently by accident but that was oh okay I, yeah why don't, why don't you I share would. that story with everyone patrick yeah <laughs> um well i got i had gotten home from my honeymoon and it was like 4 a.m in the morning and i was hungry so i opened up the fridge at my parents house and they just had a thing of meat and i eat meat fairly rare so to me it looked cooked so i just took it out and i was like oh it's kind of cold so I threw it on a plate, microwaved it for 30 seconds, threw a bunch of salt on it, and then I was like, oh, it was a little chewy, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> so then I proceeded to eat it and then go to bed. And then I, when I woke up the next morning, I was asked, where did the meat go? And I was like, oh, I just I ate it. It's like, did you cook it? I'm like, I thought it was already cooked. And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, it's well. It's pure carnivore right there. Yeah. yeah. Pa Patrick, have you heard of, I feel like it's, I can't remember if it's in Chicago or Wisconsin. It's somewhere up there, like in the Midwest, like Chicago, yeah. Wisconsin area, where it's like a tradition for them to eat raw hamburger beef on a sandwich. What yeah. is that called? I forget. I, that's I, so crazy. I, I'm familiar with it and it's, it's very weird. Um, like, I don't know. I, I also can't remember what it's called, but I'm familiar with it in the sense that like, it has to be a very specific cut of meat. Uh-huh. Um, and it's supposed to be very fatty, so that present, prevents like a lot of the, you know, pests or yeah. like disease and whatnot that you get. But that's about all I know. It's <laughs> called a cannibal sandwich. And it's called a what? A cannibal sandwich. Okay. Well, then there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I remember I figured I heard about that because I saw an article and it was like, "Don't eat the cannibal sandwich <laughs> Christmas." And I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> That sounds a little bit questionable, really, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you, you, I mean, you can go into like your personal story on this, but like, what is the health benefits you get from uh, vegetarianism? What What do you get from not eating meat? I guess as yeah. opposed to what you would get from eating meat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely like highly debated. Um, yeah. You know, you have people like Jordan Peterson and a whole bunch, a bunch of other proponents of like an all meat diet, the carnivore diet. Um, and you, you know, the science is still out on that one, but, um, is, isn't but, that, that something it's like the ketogenic diet or something like that? The ketogenic diet is focused on, um, fat burning. So it's a lot, okay. it's like an elimination of carbohydrates and it's more focused on fat, okay. um, which can be good for endurance sports and things like that, depending, but, uh, yeah, but with a vegetarian diet, it's kind of, it's complicated because, you know, there's, there's, there's research out there that shows that it, it can like lower all cause mortality. It can help with heart disease and things like that. What, what is all cause mortality? Sorry, you're throwing it's out like, these characters. I just wanted to find them. Basically like death at any, for any reason. Okay. Like it's just a, a basic measure of death. So like vegetarians versus non-vegetarians, vegetarians, 
have less all-cause mortality or earlier or later all-cause mortality. Um, but the the trick there is like it, with with nutrition, you know, there are so many like extraneous variables and things going into it that it's really hard to to bear down on. Yeah. Like, is it the vegetarianism that's doing that, or is it the focus on a healthier diet? So or genetic. Yeah, yeah. For me, the thing I think about it is that um, what helps me specifically, and probably a lot of people being vegetarian, is that I don't have the choice to eat fried chicken, to eat red red meat, to eat all these these unhealthy meats. While you can eat meat in a healthy way, most people don't. Most yeah. people are eating, you know, fried chicken sandwiches and um, you know. <laughs> Uh, ground beef most and people steak. James. What's yeah. that? <laughs> we're we're just talking about most people here, James. <laughs> but uh, but for me, it's like it just forces me to eat in a different way. But you can still be vegetarian and eat potato chips for every meal and be horribly malnourished. And so that's really what... It, it, it all depends on the diet specifically, but if you're eating leafy greens, if you're getting enough protein, if you're getting calcium and everything, you can have a, a very healthy diet as a vegetarian. Okay. See, so that actually makes me think of, Patrick, you might remember this, when we were in Korea. Yeah. Yeah, so when we, we did a study abroad in Korea, and um, we stayed at a temple for a couple of days, and uh, one of the members of our group asked, the, asked one of the monks who is a vegetarian, they're all vegetarians there. Yeah. Um, you know, to talk about this very topic. And mm -hmm. he, he did some, but he also alluded to the fact that if one of the monks was sick and couldn't perform their normal duties, that at that point they would be able to eat meat. Mm -hmm. um, and then also that's something that we see in the monasteries of uh, Western Europe as well, looking at some of the historical documents. So where does, I guess, where does that slide into the, the equation? Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's a great, great point. And, um, for me, the way I think about it, like ethically, um, and in terms of like for, you know, for Eastern religions, whether it's a, a spiritual reason that they don't do it or ethical reason, or if that's literally just the, you know, the typical diet, um, it depends probably. But, um, for me, like an ethical, from an ethical perspective, like because I, I don't have to eat meat to sustain myself and do the things that I want to do. I don't see a reason why I should, why I should have to eliminate other life if I don't have to in terms of my diet. But if I was, you know, if I got sick and the doctor tells me, you know, it would really be helpful if you could eat chicken or a bit or a bit more fish to supplement your diet in terms of like, uh, vitamin B12 and, um, protein and stuff like that, then I would do it because at that point that's, that flips. So like, I feel like with the monks and in, in like a, in like a religious circumstance too, like if you need to do it to sustain your own life, it makes sense from an ethical perspective, I think, um, versus, you know, it, it doesn't as much if you don't have that justification. So, so like you're okay with having an essentially an ethical hierarchy of like humans on top and then all the other animals down there at the bottom, you know, and, yeah, and to, a, to a certain extent, like I'm not, I'm not against, like you don't want to kill them willy nilly, but like if yeah. for you to survive, you have to, you know, sometimes. yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, like I'm a, I mean, like I'm kind of a, 
a, a practical person. And like, I realized that like, even though like, it might be hard to distinguish like philosophically the difference between like a really intelligent animal and a human being, um, like just on a rational, like philosophical basis, not bringing in theology and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but like survival is survival. And like you, there is a point where I think that it's definitely acceptable. And like, I, I'm much more open to hunting. I I'm mainly what I'm against is like the, reckless um endangerment or uh pointless suffering of animals especially like in our modern context of like factory farming yeah factory farming like caging yeah it 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 puts it like you're raising on a you know if you're raising an animal throughout a decent amount of its lifespan on a farm i don't necessarily have a problem with that um you know i think that like that animal is eventually going to die there's no reason why it's entire products of its life like it's it's if it's a cow like it's hide and meat and stuff should go to waste yeah okay well how do you feel then about trophy hunting in the sense of like if you look at it in its entirety not just the actual killing of the animal but like the oh so like in texas for example there's a huge several acre ranch uh that they have a bunch of um either near extinct animals or extinct in their natural habitat animals and this the uh ecosphere that's there is similar to where these animals are actually from and the only way for that these species to exist is for them to have this ranch in order to fund the ranch they have to allow trophy hunters in what do, like yeah. do you think that, that is a good enough justification then for trophy hunting which is not using the entirety of the animal not to get too deep in these ethical questions but yeah no that's fine yeah. um i don't know you know i think that like trophy hunting in general um for me hunting i see it as more of like a in an ethical way as like a sort of population control okay um for animals in terms of like you know humans don't necessarily like if you think of humans as like the stewards of the environment which is like a common way to to view it i think um like the population control makes sense in terms of maintaining the ecosystem making sure that certain animals aren't overrunning but if we if you're talking about like if and and if i understand and if i understood your your question right like these animals in order to sustain the environment for them to exist in the first place, they have to allow this trophy hunting there. If there's no other way they can, they can do it. Um, I don't necessarily have an issue with it as long as it's, um, as long as they're not causing like pointless suffering. Like, you know, there are a lot of, especially with poachers and things like that, that you'll see where like people, they just like are cruel to animals and there's no point in that, but like I said, I, I'm not like ethical hunting. I have no, no problems with. Yeah. See, like this particular ranch comes under a lot of fire um, that I'm familiar with because it's a not there. It's not their natural environment. Like it's not in Africa, even though the the you know the environment is relatively similar, and these animals mm-hmm. are more than happy to live here effectively. Um, and you know they pay exorbitant amounts of money to go hunt certain creatures that don't actually exist anymore out in the real world or if they do in such low populations that we don't even know it you know yeah um so like various forms of gazelle uh you know there's elephants there's there's all kinds of stuff there um and you know this exists in america so there's a lot less likelihood of poachers there might still be some but i mean this you know it's it's in texas yeah Um, i'm more thinking about africa (laughs) yeah it's a lot safer than africa at least the 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 laws are are better upheld than here than they are for what it's worth um yeah 
uh, you know, a couple of my students were talking about this, and my, my position was basically yours in the sense that it's like, mm. you know, I'm a little bit more loosey-goosey when it comes to hunting, but I wouldn't fault, you know, a wolf for hunting down, you know, deer and stuff, you know. It, yeah. it, in fact, actually, with Yellowstone, we actually needed to deploy wolves to actually mm. save the environment because there's too many deers. Uh, my mm. uncle is actually a deer hunter, and, and he's very invested in population control because if you let the deer run wild, it just cascades down the entire, you know, ecosystem. And that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you have something to say on that? I was going to add a point to that. Like there's a, there's this great video that talks about how, like just talking about the ecosystem and how interrelated everything is. Like when they introduced, um, when they introduced wolves to Yellowstone, it actually changed the flow pattern of the rivers in Yellowstone because of how basically the ecosystem changed from that that move and it wasn't like a bad thing it was just that's how big of a difference like that one choice can make so it's really interesting um uh by the way just to just to recap what we're talking about with the raw meat uh the chat mm-hmm. says that it was possibly beef tartare <clears throat> um could be that I, I think that's what i was thinking of not the yeah. cannibal oh, <laughs> yeah. cannibal sandwich um, <laughs> james you want to read that other question uh not really <laughs> all right so actually i'll read it i'll read it this is, okay. this is a very important question it's for you drew um it's actually yeah. for all of us but i don't think that patrick and i have a good answer i have no idea um anyway how <laughs> does one get their pp big <laughs> is that from the chat yeah it's from That's the chat from this the is chat. a this uh, is a chat from is horizon, from jumper. horizon jumper horizon jumper yeah okay well Horizon jumper, unfortunately, um, you're probably past the boat on that one. I imagine that there maybe there's some, maybe there's some supplements you can take when you're uh, when you're a young child, but I think uh, you probably. What will those supplements be? Do you know? I I do not know. I'd have to do research into that. <laughs> we should not be advocating for small children to take enhanced no. medication. I, I guarantee you, it's it's very it's very difficult. Otherwise, they would already have a way. Not for children, obviously, but. Yeah. Um, for adults uh, to do it. And I wanted to say that it is not Ram Ranch that I was thinking of. That's another thing that this guy said. So it's not Ram Ranch. Okay. Throw that out there. Uh, but to move on, uh, so before we got into all this hunting thing, we were talking a little bit more about nutrition. Um, mm. So Drew, I hear nowadays that sugar is the root of all evils. In like the 90s and 80s, it was fat. Uh, yeah. Take us through like the history or why these have changed in the scientific community. Yeah. So, so like, you know, from my from my understanding, um, a lot of what it did have to do with like the conceptions and changes over time, especially like in the recent years, has to do more with like lobbying and um, okay. Uh, not i mean like in i'm talking like the 80s and 90s why certain things were portrayed in different ways was because that's the research that got funded by by the the corporations and the and the food industry but what's shifted now with more research coming out i think like especially you know salt is a big one like salt was portrayed in a very bad way in terms of salt causes heart disease like salt is what leads to you having heart disease the thing that salt does is is it raises your blood pressure because it inc- it increases water absorption in your body. Okay, but, but it's just like a basic function, and and I mean salt can cause a lot of damage. But if you don't have other risk factors for heart disease, 
having a high sodium diet isn't going to cause you a lot of problems on its own. Yeah, that's, that's what my mom always said. She always said that I'm going to eat too much salt and I'm going to die of heart disease. And that's and I have a great blood pressure. Yeah, and and I, I think remember, it's because I ran so much. To be completely yeah. honest, and I remember when I had when I was younger, like that was always the impression that I had from like the media and yeah. just diets in general. But James' eyes lit up when you said but, the media. By the way, <laughs> they did. They did not. Yeah, the media. <laughs> I'm like a shark. You know, we can we'll talk about that in a second in terms of like the diet culture and sure. diets and everything. Like um, with sugar, what's transitioned into that I think people are really finding out is that with Americans especially is that we just put sugar in everything. Cured meats have sugar in it. Um, bread has sugar in it. Um, pasta, every, basically any any processed food that you can find in the United States has added sugars. And sugar, like I know we were talking about this a little bit a few weeks ago, Patrick, yeah. is sugar is not necessarily bad for you. It's a good fuel system for your body. But what it does is having all that added sugar and excess sugar leads directly to like the deterioration and the hardening of your arteries. And that weakens the cardiovascular system as a whole. So, you know, when you couple the massive, massive, massive amount of sugar that Americans are eating with saturated fat from, from uh, burgers and stuff like that and fast food and add sodium onto that, that's why we have such an epidemic of heart disease. Okay. And such so, so and like, well, and I was going to say, when it comes to sugar, like, so I've recently switched from, you know, the whole, oh, all fat's bad and try to stay away from fat to realizing that. I, I told him this, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> realizing, the reason why, I'm uneducated, but I knew that at least. <laughs> and realizing that sugar was the issue. So now I've tried to cut back on sugar as much as possible. Um, the exception of some, you know, the sugar and fruit. Sugar would not exist in this man's house. Yeah. I do not. Like, own, I, I do not own pure sugar. Bad. This is true. Um, but so I get sugar from fruit, and then um, the only time that I'll have like candy or whatever, unless like have a complete breakdown, um, is yeah. right before I go lift um, or go mm -hmm. run or something, because then I and then I can you burn that energy right away, versus yeah. any other scenario. And then with salt too um that if, if you're extremely active when you sweat you sweat a lot of salt mm. so if you basically try to cut out salt entirely but then you try yes. to stay active you're gonna have you're gonna have a uh, deficiency yeah which, you're gonna have a lot yeah. of problems yeah. yeah yeah and james like with the exercise thing like that's a perfect almost like case study of why you need uh salt and sugar is like if you're a marathon runner and you don't have any sodium the entire time you're running your marathon your muscles are going to start spasming. You're going to break down because you need that sodium for literally for your muscles to work literally for potassium, right. Like they kind of do like the yeah. similar thing. Sodium and potassium are what activates the muscles. And uh, so if you don't have those, you literally just can't, your muscles won't work. And so, and then sugar is the same thing. Like your body's favorite food source is going to be carbohydrates and so sugar, if you're going to burn it off, is a great way to do it. So if you're running a marathon, you know, you see people running ultra marathons and the only thing they eat the whole time is gummy bears yeah. and ridiculous stuff like that. But it's fine because it's just high sugar content and they burn it off immediately. And yeah, because and their body's going to need it too. They need to have access yeah. to keep going effectively. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They do have a high blood sugar content that mm -hmm. you wouldn't get normally. Like I would yeah. not want to have a high blood sugar content. I'd <laughs> die. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but so along those same kind of lines, I mean, you bring up fast food a lot. Uh, you know, when I go on a drive, you know, to go see James, who lives, you know, 500 miles away or whatever, um, it's, it's several hundred miles away, James. It's uh, not <laughs> even 200. It's like 100, 185. Whatever. It's it's a lot of it's farther than I can walk. Um, but so when I do that, I, I'm you know I want to stop for food and you know I'll pick up a cheeseburger or whatever. Is that going to kill me, or is it just like? Everything in, in a certain level of moderation. Obviously, you don't want to be doing like crack cocaine in moderation, but like everything at a certain level of moderation is going to be pretty much okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like people who take their diets way too seriously, it's not sustainable like long term. Like you're going to yeah. break down. So you should allow yourself to do stuff like that. I've and for me, like I have a big uh, weakness with Taco Bell. Like I <laughs> Taco Bell's like the main the main like vegetarian fast food place that like you can get good vegetarian food at um and so i love taco bell but like if you eat it in moderation it's fine it's just like the same things it's it's high sugar it's high saturated fat it's high sodium so it's literally like the effect of the things that you don't want going into your body but if you eat it only every once in a while you're going to be fine when i go on a road trip i'm going to eat fast food like most of the time i'm not going to pack like salad for myself you got to allow yourself to have those those cheat times and well you have to be you have to be nice to your body and it'll be nice back to you you know but not like you know you gotta teach it like a a child you know you give Mm -hmm. it things and then you take things away when (laughs) when you want to to kind of train yourself effectively yeah yeah and i was just eating on it yeah, and I found when it comes to dieting, at least, um, the the times I break down aren't when I'm on the road and I stop to get fast food because, you know, I, I stick to my diet well enough that I can allow myself that every once in a while. It's usually when I'm sitting here at the computer or at work doing something bored, and the only thing yeah. I have is excess jelly beans in the closet. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's 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 when I tend to, uh, to violate my diet. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way, James. Like, just the access to the, like, I if I don't have sugar in my house, obviously, I'm I'm not gonna like get up, and drive, <laughs> go get Dairy Queen or yeah, something. Exactly. Like, if it's in the house, like, I'm. It's so much. It's the temptation is so much greater. Yeah, and, it's it. And you said th- you said yourself, yeah, it'll only be in moderation, you know. And then yeah. the next thing you know, every single day, you're having a bunch of Doritos or something like that. Yeah. Well, and that's why I tell hard. I tell Alina this all the time. I tell her I'm I'm not I'm just not gonna buy it. Because then I'll say, okay, I'm going to buy, you know, these uh, oatmeal cream pies and they're going to last me two weeks. And then this is Sunday. And then come Wednesday morning, I meet my last one. I'm like, what the hell happened? Um, we have a, we have a question from the chat in regards to salt. Um, so it's asked to me, but I'm not an expert on this. I'm going to have to ask this to you, Drew. Um, okay. So I'm just going to read straight from the chat. It says, uh, Drew, have you ever had an iodine deficiency from lack of salt? My friend who plays sports got one from not eating salts from playing cod too much. He wants advice on how to control his salt intake. Well, I don't know <laughs> playing the cod too much, but that actually is hyponatremia is like a real. Yeah, because um, it's a like goiter or whatever, right? Yeah, well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's iodine. Yeah, just that's just iodine deficiency in general. But yeah so with with uh iodine so this person's talking about having an actual iodine efficiency yeah salt apparently thing. his friend who plays sports got one okay well i don't know what that means but an, uh, you know. well, an iodine deficiency that used to be a huge problem for sailors and stuff like that but what they did was they just added iodine to every table salt so i assume that he 
probably means the person was hyponatremic, like they didn't have enough sodium. Because okay. iodine, with iodine, you're probably getting enough just from table salt. So <laughs> I'm just getting spanned with it's a Ram Ranch <laughs> messages. It's a Ram Ranch. Just side note, <laughs> wasn't like there a that. rush on iodine at the beginning of the pandemic? I, I have oh. no idea. I think so, yeah, because it had something to do with, like, uh, that and zinc were, like, supposedly going to help you against COVID or something. Yeah, yeah it's it, there's all those things where, you know, like, and, and, and to a certain extent, they're true. Like, with Joe Rogan, where he says, if you get your vitamin D, you're a COVID Superman, basically. But, like, it's true, but, like, it's not going to be 100%. Yeah, I was reading, uh, I was actually reading a paper, uh, like, towards the beginning of the pandemic, that uh, there was a correlation right it would be very difficult to deem, deem causation but there's a correlation between severely low people or people with severely deficient vitamin d whatever you however that would be phrased uh, it was like something like 82 percent of the people that got covid and had serious complications were vitamin d deficient or something like that yeah. so what would what why is vitamin d so important Drew? well i mean vitamin vitamin d just like Two, two things to think about there, like vitamin D on a biological level and then why that would happen like for the correl correlation or what could be other things that explain that. Um, so like vitamin D does just a ton of uh, things throughout your entire body in terms of maintaining cells, your cells. And it's just a, like a very basic building block okay. for what's like, like vitamin C effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Vitamin C and uh, a lot. Of, I mean, just a lot of the important vitamins in your body. But um vitamin why i think that is probably that correlation exists is because people who are unhealthy in general are going to have low vitamin d because they are not going outside they are not getting exercise that are not um probably i mean unless if they are already on a regimen taking supplements um to get vitamin d so like it makes sense that the people who would have serious complications are low on vitamin d because the people who have serious complications are probably homebound typically or very low um like sedentary individuals so that's probably why and not as much has to do with the vitamin c itself yeah. but the causative factor there in other terms that vitamin d deficiency is just an overall indicator of poor health okay because mm -hmm. I, I, it was also in conjunction because they're looking across like a variety of you know subsections and you were saying that you you know a little bit of phrenology, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, because one of the things that they were pointing out was that African-Americans compared to other, like just Africans, um, mm -hmm. tend to have lower vitamin D levels than mm -hmm. uh, Africans or or white Americans or other, uh, other races in the United States. And their hypothesis on that, these authors, was that in general, Americans spend a lot more time indoors than any other culture. And it's because of the darker skin, it's harder for them to absorb vitamin D because it's a protection against the sun in Africa, which is a lot yeah. tougher than it is in, you know, Norway or something. Yeah. So, you know, like that natural built-in resistance actually hurt them and, and absorb the vitamin D. Does that make any sense to you? Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, like if you're, if you're a black person living in Norway, um, you're the melanin in your skin was designed to protect you from the African sun because it's so much more intense yeah. and you're going to be flooded with vitamin C all day long. Um, and then if you're in Norway where 
it's a lot less, um, if, especially with the long winter and everything, it's going to be a lot less exposure. On top of that, with your natural built-in defenses for that, you're, you're going to absorb less vitamin D. And um, in terms of thinking about like Americans specifically because of um, our African-American population does have such like a high poverty rate, you have all those other issues that go along with sedentary lifestyles, not going outside, being kind of stuck indoors a lot. And that, that leads to issues. And eating cheap, processed, not yeah. good, healthy food as well, I'm sure doesn't help. Yeah, where you don't have access to, to healthy vegetables and yeah. things like that. As, so as, like, there could be a variety of factors in addition to, you know, the natural yeah. genetics of the person. Though. Yeah, but it really just makes a, it, it makes a logical sense. For yeah, it makes it, 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 essentially all of these variables create like a cocktail of terribleness. Yeah, it is really. <laughs> you, know, you don't want. Because yeah. oh, I was talking, actually, I was talking to my roommate who is, black and um, um, i was telling him like hey you know i found this paper you know about vitamin d he's like oh yeah i take a bunch of it because he's a he's a streamer so he spends and he's a computer science guy so he spends a lot of time indoors so his doctor recommended that he takes a sizable vitamin d supplement um yeah. so because he doesn't go out nearly as much so um but along that uh, along that kind of line with it with like because you, you mentioned diets already um so i hear a lot that abs are made in the kitchen what does that mean <laughs> Well, uh, I, I'm assuming that that probably means just like the, the lower, um, the lower fat content that you have in your body. Um, you, that's when your abs will show up while well, you might have like, like James might have like way, I mean, I'm sure he does have like way stronger <laughs> abdominal muscles than me. Like mine are more likely to show up because I run such long distances that I have a lower body fat content than he does. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and so like the, the way that would show up through diet is obviously like if you freaking nail your diet and you're exercising, like doing aerobics, doing weightlifting, like, yeah, that's the way you will have like a killer six pack. But like, <laughs> okay. if you, if you are absent in any of those areas and, and it really like having a really defined six pack is not necessarily like the most healthy thing. Like you, you, as a man, like we do have lower body fat content than women, but like we still want to have like a pretty good body. Fat. I, 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 is it more body fat content or less? Because I had heard that no. it was less. Okay, good. Yeah, women yeah. have. I, to make sure I get, I get you on that one. Yeah, I, according to the charts that I've seen, it's like women are like the natural women body fat percentage is like somewhere in like the twenties, and then for yeah. men it's like somewhere in the teens or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily correct, but it's there's a big difference there, and especially yeah. in how it's distributed as well. I think men is typically like around 12% okay. and women closer to like 18 or 20. I could be off there, but, um, and the reason for that is, yeah, yeah. It's mediated by estrogen, it, estrogen. You want to maintain a higher body fat uh, percentage, um, just because of the, the biological role that women play with giving birth and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, is really the reason why, um, and speaking but, of do, do, do Americans have too much estrogen in their diet? That's that's what I've heard a lot about by some interesting people. <laughs> I really I really don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> that's what I've heard. It's like it's like we're all the soy boy mentality thing, and like soy is going to give you too much estrogen, going to grow boobs. Yeah. So no, I really don't much about that. <laughs> okay, James, what were you going to say? I was going to say, well, it, it, it when it comes to the estrogen thing, I think it. I don't know if it's more estrogen, but it's certainly less testosterone just from the way that our diets are structured and um, at least from everything that I've seen. 
Um, it has is to do with our like diet. Some processed food, basically. Yeah, that. Or you know, I'm gonna let Drew correct me on anything here, but uh, <laughs> yes, from what I have, from what I have seen, yes, it has to do with the diet and um, the sedentary lifestyle. Both meaning we need, you know, we produce less uh, testosterone and we need less testosterone for to you know engage yeah. our fight and flight response. Um, but to what I was gonna say earlier was. Um, I'm in this. I'm in this awkward position where I really desperately want abs, like visible abs, but I also want to put on muscle, which is, you know, they they, they kind of contradict each other because you have to cut back on it, on your intake so you can get rid of your fat content, or uh, you can you know sl- uh, slim up and tone up, but in order to put on muscle, you have to eat at a caloric surplus. So yeah, yeah I'm in I'm in a very awkward awkward position there. I mean, like a lot of the times where you see people on Instagram or like bodybuilders and stuff uh, with their really defined abs, they have the same like challenge that you do. Either either they're doing a couple different things. They're taking more uh, substances, which a lot of them probably Or if they're not doing that, they're severely dehydrated because if you if when I wake up in the morning, and I'm sure you guys probably noticed this too, your body looks way more toned mm-hmm. than your oh, body yeah. like a few hours later after you've drank some water. It's because you're dehydrated and your body, it's just going to show up that way. Um, don't you breathe out like a liter of water while you're sleeping or something like that? Um, I don't know exactly. That's a good question. I, don't, I imagine it probably does have to do with condensation in the air to a certain extent. Um, it also, your body's just processing it, like the water in, in yeah, your body. Yeah, using it up and doing things with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, along those same lines, though, um, with, you know, James bring up, uh, like, training and everything like that. Um, for the average American, would you recommend, if someone wanted to do some, some training, focusing on strength or endurance-based training? Just for the average person that you would see come into your clinic, let's say. Like, if I, if I was seeing somebody, like, with... Um like just somebody comes in deconditioned like after they had covid or so, um, yeah like let's say they they're 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 in, uh is it remission from cancer treatment yeah yeah or yeah. remission so, so they're they're in remission and they're just like yeah I want to you know get back into like a healthy healthy mode should I focus more on endurance training or should I focus more on strength training or is there some other third option that I'm that I don't know yeah it's i mean it's really like it's it's totally a balance because the thing is um and it depends too on the person but um like light light resistance exercise like or even just any type of resistance exercise is really really good for your joints and your muscles um in terms of like maintaining your ability long term to be able to to walk to run to do all these things that you like to do um like weightlifting because of the feedback and the pressure that you're putting on your muscles and joints is strengthening them is making them making you more fit overall you're, it's going to lead to better uh, a better lifestyle, um, okay. and then you couple that with you need to have the the cardiovascular endurance on this for the same reasons, which is why um, aerobics is so important, um, and and like running and and some of those things, just apart from making your respiration better, your blood flow better, um, it also helps with your brain. Um, yeah. I'm familiar, I'm familiar with that because on the cross country team, at least, we had the highest average GPA out of any sport. Period, which I thought was great. Besides the chess, yeah. but you know, is that a sport? I don't know. 
humble. But yeah, so I would say it's a balance. It's a balance, and like uh, flexibility is really important. Okay. Um, so like yoga, that's why yoga is like such a great um, one for older adults, is because you're maintaining like (laughs) flexibility, strength, and aerobic. My wife is behind me saying, "See," because she's been trying to get me to do yoga, and I'm just like, I don't want to do. Elena, Elena has been trying to get me to do yoga for months, and I got away with it. I was not doing it because I was getting more flexible because I was training Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. But now that I don't have time for that anymore, she's up. She's on me about yoga again because. Yeah. Yeah. And really like yoga is a great, I, I, I haven't done it for a while, but I used to do a lot more yoga. Um, and yoga is a really, really good one. Um, just as like a basic, but yeah, if you're doing Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai, like, that's already giving you the flexibility. Yeah. And the- you're you're going to be pretty good on that side. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't need to necessarily worry about it. Although like, like if you talk to like Joe Rogan with jujitsu and stuff, like he loves yoga because it's, it, mm-hmm. it works the same things. And yeah. so it's, it's a lower impact, like stressful um, way of doing it. Um, so just like an average, let's say you just take a college student, let's say, uh, and they're like, Hey, I want to get fitter. What should I do? What would be your recommendation? Should, would, would they start with nutrition or should they start with exercise? I would say in my experience in like helping people get to do something, uh, you really have to, to make a habit stick. You really have to start with like one thing at a time okay. and then slowly build in other things. So like, um, cause if you give somebody, like if you tell them, if I told you to like cut, eggs out of your diet for whatever reason yeah that'd be you, impossible. Be, okay well not, whatever just imagine it's some random food that you only eat sometimes okay. you'd, be able to, you'd be able to do that easily but if i told you to cut this 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 you would get overwhelmed really quickly so like i would tell that person start with What's walking a mile every day there, <laughs> there's, there's we've reggie. been interrupted by a cat hi reggie reggie's so fluffy he's a very <laughs> He's interested in my cookie that's over here. You cannot. <laughs> how do we uh, how do we make Reggie more fit? Sorry to interrupt with my cat. Oh no, fine. How do we make Reggie more fit? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I would I would tell Patrick to take Reggie for a walk every day. Um, but really, if you walk a mile every day, like that will go so far in helping your fitness. Just that. Start with that. Then go to working on your diet. Just eat more leafy greens. Like simple cut out more, eat less sugar. So okay. some sugar, but like, like just really, really simple things like that will make a huge, huge difference in like your, your health overall. So, so what I've done recently is cause I've been trying to be a little bit more health conscious and trying to just baby step it along effectively. So uh, a couple months ago, I cut out entirely mac and cheese, just no more mac and cheese, no more box mac and cheese because I was looking at my diet and I was like, well, it, the only reason I eat, the mac and cheese is because it's super easy and it tastes relatively good. Uh, and I just, you know, I was like, okay, I can cut this out. It simplifies my shopping and I feel much better. Mm-hmm. Then what I did was then I, instead of buying processed shredded mozzarella, I just bought the block mozzarella because in my mind, you know, it's a little bit less processed. Hopefully it's healthier for me because, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. But then I also moved on to eating veggie pasta instead of mm-hmm. regular pasta. And I also make my own pasta on, a, on, a, on an occasion, um, which just has eggs and flour, garlic, and olive oil on it. It's what I'm making. Yeah. Um, so those little minor 
changes. I think I've actually lost five pounds since started doing that. And nothing else has really changed. I still, you know, work out uh, about as much as James does. I, you know, take protein powder and everything like that. That is a caloric surplus. But I've noticed that my physique has changed. You know, my little beer gut that I had is effectively gone, which is mm-hmm. perfect timing for the wedding. Uh, <laughs> but but like so so you're essentially recommending something along those lines where you know, maybe not get rid of an entire food that you love, but like adjust in such a way that makes it healthier. Yeah. And, and totally like, I don't necessarily follow my own advice all the time in terms of that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like an extreme, I'm like an extreme person in terms of like, I would never, if somebody was asking me how to get healthy, I would never tell them to run a marathon. Like that's yeah. not necessarily, I would never tell them to become a vegetarian because those, those are extreme ways of doing that work for me because that's how I like to do things. I'm an extreme person, but like for other people, for most people, you just, if you just make those small, really just basic changes, you will see a huge impact. Like it, it really will help. Yeah. That's like James when he got off of a uh, fast food every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When we, when we lived together. He was, he would come home. I, I swear he'd come home. He'd have McDonald's. He'd sit down, eat a bunch of McDonald's, and then he would pop, pop microwave popcorn and eat that. I don't eat microwave popcorn anymore because I visited my doctor because I was having a lot of, uh, like, intestinal problems. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, you know how long I spent in the bathroom. Um, we all I actually have been starting to take fiber supplements, and my bathroom time has been cut in a third. Like, oh, I'm well, not, yeah. I, it's, it's like, because I used to sit there and I'd be like, like, oh, man, that felt terrible. I got to sit here for a little bit longer. And also, I do it the peace of quiet, right? But... Um, now that I've got these five or something, I'm in and out. And I feel great every single time. It's like, oh, I'm all good to go. Uh, but James was, you show up after work, he'd have, uh, you know, that, that, the other thing, uh, and all this microwave popcorn. And after that, James, take it from here. Tell, tell us, uh, tell us all about how much better you felt. Oh yeah, no. So I first off, the first thing I did was cut out pop. Um, I was going through probably about a 12 pack a week, um, which compared to the way I grew up was pretty mild, but so I cut that out, um, cut out the daily energy drinks and then cut back on fast food and just tried to start eating at the calf more, uh, the cafeteria at St. Ambrose for those watching. And yeah, then I got fat shamed into working out, which, <laughs> so I, for I wonder me, who did that. must've been Jess. For me, <laughs> mo- so mo- most people, you want to encourage them to do better. For me, I, it works. Negative reinforcement works much, works much better. God. Um, so yeah. So then I started lifting. Um, started with four days a week. Now, uh, you know, eventually got up to I think at my max, including martial arts, I was training uh, sixteen times a week. Um. And then I cut back from there as I, you know, got a life and had to do other things. But yeah, I do, I do feel much better now. And I, if you look at pictures from me back in 2016, 17, there's one, there's a picture I always like to reference of Patrick and I standing next to each other. I've got a white dress shirt on. I literally look like a pillow. Hmm. I'm so round, but uh, yeah. I look, I look like I'm wearing a bed sheet because it does not fit me, and it's huge, and I'm just like super skinny and like this thin, you know. <laughs> See, okay, I, I yeah. just gave Patrick my excess weight, and I both look decent. Yeah, yeah now we both you look good. Yep. You balanced each other out very, very well. Just like our hairlines. <laughs> I have the hairline, and he has the thick hair. Yeah, I have the thickness, and James has the hairline. I, I look like Vita, 
and uh, James. And you can uh, see my scalp. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't wish we had Drew's, uh, Drew's thickness, though, to be honest. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's got it all. Yeah, so, that's, what, that's what he tells me. So if someone... Well, I, I... Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, so I was going to say, if someone wants to, you know, build this, build lean muscle and kind of get that, that um, bodybuilder physique without being quite that intense and dehydrated and everything, what, what, how would you recommend them to go about that? Like if they wanted, okay, cold turkey, give me, give me something feasible, but will help get me there as fast as possible. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say like, <clears throat> you have to do, you have to do your cardio. Um, you have to go to, you have to hit the gym. So like, I'd say like, how often do you, how often do you lift a week, James? Five times? Uh, six times? times a week. Six times a week. Okay. So you do, you lift a lot. I tell somebody, I tell somebody four or five times a week, you get in the gym, you lift, you do different, you do different, uh, muscle groups, um, on alternating days. And then six days a week, preferably seven, but six days a week, you at least walk a mile or do some more serious level of cardio, depending on what your tolerance level for that is. Well, what would uh, be roping? Like if I want to jump rope, would that be 30 want, Yeah. Any, any type of cardio would be okay. fine. Anything that gets, anything that gets your heart rate above, I'd say like 120 beats for our age, 120 yeah. beats per minute, you will probably be seeing some good benefits from that. Um, and then um, and walking's a little bit less, but it has other benefits too, um, mainly fat burning and stuff. But uh, and um, your joints, yeah, and just I mean, just general muscular endurance in, in general, run okay. is huge. But uh, and then in terms of diet, I would just say, I would say eat if you're gonna eat meat, you don't have to eat meat for every meal, <laughs> but if you're if you're gonna eat meat, eat chicken with low sodium like check your chicken see how much sodium it has because they add sodium into chicken low sodium chicken um salmon fish um so why, why do you why do you say salmon as opposed to just fish in general is there something special about salmon or just it's whatever it's the first thing uh, I can... yeah it tastes good that, yeah salmon is just one that typically people who don't like fish do like um like it's, it's food, so yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean salmon salmon generally is seen as one of the healthiest uh fish uh for a variety of reasons but um yeah salmon's a great one so just just some basics like that uh cut cut sugar you don't have to get rid of it but cut sugar um limit your fast food intake limit your um like saturated fats and eat leafy green vegetables um like at least once a day um and you'll see like a big impact and if you do like for any reason like suspect that you have a um a vitamin deficiency because of something about your diet look into like talk with your doctor or talk with your nutritionist or something about getting a supplement um if you can't like get that normally especially if you're like a vegetarian or something and you're not good at balancing it um but those are like the main things like if you just do those basic things um like if you lift four times a week you walk six seven times a week you eat that way you're gonna you're gonna be in pretty damn good shape yeah, I, I started taking a, a potassium, I, I, like I said, vitamin D, uh, potassium, vitamin C, uh, and fiber. But uh, once I started taking the potassium supplement specifically, um, I was not nearly as sore as I used to be when I would lift. Mm -hmm. so like, you know, I'd go do leg day, 
and I go pretty hard. I, you know, I do, you know, five sets of 10 and the two sets of uh, seven typically for squats. And then I go ahead and do like calf raises and other, other kind of leg exercises as well. But, um, after that, I usually do like, it'd be difficult going up and down stairs, you know, just cause you know, you've just worked your legs significantly. And then I started eating potassium and actually doubled my protein powder, not actually just eating more meat, but like increased my protein yeah. powder intake. And then afterwards it's like, I, you know, I barely feel it. If I, if I do at all, it's just like a, like a small ache for the most mm-hmm. part, if I went particularly hard, but just in general, you know, doing those two simple things, increasing, increasing those two things really, really helped with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as I would say vitamin D has actually improved my mood significantly. Maybe like a little bit more optimistic in, in general yeah. than I was previously. So. Yeah. And, the, and that's, that's an instance where like, um, with your, like you, you're a picky eater and like, you usually have yes. like general, like more dietary limitations, like, uh, something like potassium, if you're not getting that, like through banana, I can't, do you like bananas? No, I, I like, okay. So for my typical potassium source, it's either going to be potatoes or spinach. I love spinach. I, yeah. I had, I always have spinach. Um, yeah. obviously that's not going to be enough. Yeah. To, to give me everything uh, if i had a banana that'd be a different story because that's just like loaded potassium. whereas i have yeah. multiple bananas every single morning yeah so james is totally fine. i'm the same way i'm the same way james like i i don't ever need, really think i need to worry about potassium that much because i eat so many bananas yeah but uh um one thing that i was wondering for you guys about is like just what you think is in terms of having someone make some of those changes like james you said like somebody shaming you was the way that motivated you to make those changes in your life. But what do you, like, if you were going to help somebody else, like, or if you, if you had an ideal way for your motivation or for someone else's motivation, like, what do you think is works best? I mean, it's obviously person, but. So what I found actually works best is the, you know, at least when it comes to exercising, I can't really speak when it comes to dieting. Um, When it comes to exercising is the kinship of it. You know, you, you, you say, Hey man, I've, you know, I've got X, Y, Z going on. I really want to hang out when I'm go to the gym, you know, we can, we can do a little bit of lifting. We can do some cardio. We can talk in between sets and just have a good time. And you turn that into your hangout time and it makes the gym, what would normally be an hour and a half workout into a three hour workout. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it encourages other people to go. And at one point I had five other people going to the gym with me and these workouts would take like four or five hours because we're just, we're having a good time. But people who have never been in the gym before were going to the gym. I would never suggest getting people to the gym the way that I got to the gym because I'm, I'm unique in the, in the sense that I continue. I still, I shame myself whenever I, feel like I'm not doing well enough, I shame myself. I, you know, I, I respond to the negative stimulus, whereas most people would be turned off by that. So I think yeah. the best way would be to just, you know, convince them that this is where it's a good idea to hang out and, you know, let them get into it themselves by being there and experiencing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with James on, on a good majority of that. I think the entirety of how to get somebody into, you know, getting fitter or having a better diet or something like that depends on your relationship with the person. So if it's like someone that I don't really know very well, um, you know, I could be like, Hey, you know, I'm hitting the gym. Let me know if you want to come, you know, it's like it not, it's very, very passive in the sense of, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing this thing. If you want to come go for it. Um, if it's someone I'm a lot more intimate with or, or, closer to as like a family member, a really close friend like James, 
and I see that they have a really, really unhealthy diet, I'm going to be a lot more direct. Uh, you know, this is obviously assuming after the first stage where I didn't know them nearly as well. And that seems to not be working, but we've also developed our friendship in such a way that I'm a lot more comfortable approaching this person in a more direct and maybe aggressive manner and saying, Hey, listen, you know, I, I care about you. I don't see what you're doing as productive. And, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, there's some people that come to mind that uh, these unhealthy habits come from some sense, some sort of emo mental, emotional trauma, you know, and that's kind of their way of coping with it. So you have to be understanding of that, obviously, as well. And you don't want to just come out and say, hey, you're fat, you know, like fat, get up, you know, look fat, you know, do, do the, <laughs> like, that's not going to be very productive. You know, you might yeah. want to be, like, hey, you know, if you don't, uh, I, I can write up a you know, workout plan for you. You know, I've got all these things that I've been doing. For me personally, what brought me into becoming more fit, generally speaking, was uh, so my friend Austin actually took me to the gym after I got attacked. You know, so it's just like it's more of a sense for me what James is talking about with camaraderie, uh, in that it's more of a social event. Now, for it's grown to be more of a you know self uh, improvement kind of mm -hmm. kind of function because I've gotten more comfortable in that space. But to get me there in the first place, I needed an invitation, which is why whenever I talk to all of my friends that I'm here physically with, there's always an invitation. If you want to come with me to the gym, I will restructure my schedule. If you if the, if you've never been to the gym before and you want to go and you feel comfortable going by yourself, let me know. I'll restructure my schedule and and you know we'll make it work because I want to uh, you know pay it forward, pay forward the kindness I got from Austin onwards to all these other people, and I think making people more fit or helping them become more fit, I guess would be a better rephrasing of that is always a productive endeavor for me. Well, yeah, I, I think like you both, you guys said the social aspect, if you look at like the gyms that really succeed, like uh, Farrell's kickboxing or the orange theory or like any of those uh, like group fitness gyms yeah. where people are like crazy about it. Some people really need that like super social aspect of working out in order to like get them to do it. Um, and, and like, I'm going to compare it to, you know, like, yeah. like my friend, Eric Tanell, like he's working out now and we, we talk about it all the time and it's a friendly competition between our, our benchmarks. Cause he's never going to catch me up in squats. Like it's never going <laughs> to Same thing with deadlifts. He's never going to catch me in deadlifts. So he doesn't even bother trying with those because he's just so tiny and weak. Be but careful with the complacency. We, I'm pretty sure he's watching, which is why I'm saying it that way. But, um, uh, that, that's why we, we have this friendly competition with Bench, which he's actually just caught up to me. So I was at 185. He's now 185. You know, it, he's probably going to surpass me pretty quickly here because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm focusing now on cutting as opposed to, to bulking. So, you know, it's already done for me at this point. If he just keeps on the trajectory, he's on. So and he's looking great, honestly. Like he's he's gone from, you know, when we first met and hung out to be like this big to now he's in the whole full triangle thing with a six pack. And he's like, everything like that. You know, he dresses really well, wears turtlenecks. Like, it's great. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so I've got a I've got a question from the chat. Um, is there a specific time during the day to best? Is there is there best time during the day to work out? Like morning versus night, or does it depend on what kind of um, what kind of training you're doing as well? I added that. I'd up. say it depends on the number one your your routine as a person like what you do um like if you are a morning person then obviously like morning workouts would work better for you if you're a night person night per or what gym you go to or what type of workout you do um i think for me i'm i'm always i run every every single morning like i'm always a morning 
runner. Like that's always when I do it. Yeah. That's that's how it's motivating for me because I do it first thing in the morning. I knock it out. You feel great about yourself to start the day. Yeah, and then, like, and then and then you also like if you work out in the morning, if you if you force yourself to wake up, if you get into that routine, it's like you're almost at the gym before you even realize what you're doing, and then you're like, well, shit. I guess now I kind of have to do. Yeah. Um, and there's also benefits to in the morning being fasted when you go to work out. Um, I r- always run fasted except for my actual races. I don't run fasted, but yeah, you um, don't, that's not going to be, that's not going to go, yeah, well. yeah. but it does, it does like it promotes different ways for your body to, um, use, utilize energy, like burning fat instead of, so if one of your big goals is to burn fat, like doing a fasted workout is a great way to do it. As long as you're being responsible and yeah. you're not doing crazy. Like for me, I, st- I eat a ton, so it doesn't matter that I'm eating fasted, but like for running a marathon, you eventually run out of carbohydrates. So you have to burn fat when you're running. And so it's really good to be fasted. So it really just depends on the type of workout you're doing and um, the person you are. But I, I would advocate for anybody who's a moderate morning person to try doing it in the morning because I think that's the most consistent way to build it into your routine. Yeah, and, you- and for me, like I'm not a morning person by any mm-hmm. stretch. I'm always sharpest at night, just in general. That's just how I function. Uh, middle of the day is really my weak point, I would have to say, though. Uh, but even though not being a morning person, I found that how you start your day really sets up the rest of your day. So if you start your day with exercise and running and you're focused, then the rest of your day is going to be great. Like, honestly, the best days that I have are when I have a really good morning workout. And I just kind of snowball off of there because, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll wake up, you know, roll out of bed. It'll take me a couple minutes to really get functioning. And then I go over to the gym before I even know what's happening, like you were saying. Come back. I'm all, you know, ecstatic. I just had a great workout. Make my bed. Get all my work done. You know, and I'm already basically done with the, the days of work by like 10 o'clock. And yeah. then just the rest of the day is just whatever my hobbies are. And I can just keep going with that, you know, go cook for my wife, do whatever it is that I need to do really that day. And just, oh, Reggie just meowed. Uh, but, you know, just how you, like, I've, I've been a big proponent of how you start your day is really going to determine how the day functions. And starting your day with a workout is a great way to start. I'm 100% buying that philosophy, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I So I did morning workouts for a while, but with the way that my, with the way that my job is as a CPA, I found it works better for me to have a midday workout because I, I tend to wake up in the morning, get ready i'm motivated and i go to work i work hard but then after you know three four five hours i'm starting to get tired i'm not feeling so motivated so then i go to the gym which is the the gym really is my anchor when everything else builds off of that so then it replenishes me and then i can finish the day strong um whereas you know so i'd work out before i'd work out in the morning and i'd feel great until you know two three o'clock in the afternoon and then I wouldn't have any way to, you know, reset and push through the rest of the day. So I think it just depends yeah, on your schedule. Uh, one, one last question before we sign off here, because we're really hitting the time here. Yeah. Uh, do you think, so when, when you go exercise, to you, does it make you more tired afterwards or more energetic afterwards? Oh, uh, 100%. It- 100, I mean, it definitely does depend. I mean, there are certain times where... Um, especially like if I, for whatever reason, can't do a morning workout or 
um, and I'm doing in the afternoon, I will be a lot tired a lot more often. But uh, for me, it's 100% energizing. And I mean, it, it, it goes with like, just the science of, you know, activating your body, you're going to have that energy boost in general. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, like, when I wake up in the morning to run at four 30 or five, I'm really tired yeah. and I get out the door before I even realize what I'm doing. But the, by the time I'm back, I'm fully awake. I've just listened to a podcast about some intellectually stimulating thing or something <laughs> funny for like an it's hour. Really good experience. <laughs> <laughs> Not very often, but I, sometimes I do like Joe. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so I think it really like is a boost to me. Yeah. And then I get to eat some nice meal and, yeah. Along those same lines, just because we got this question just now, what time do you think people should shower during the day? Is there a specific if, without exercising? I'm assuming because that's actually good. It's probably a controversial question. I, I mean, I, I, I do, I would do in the morning. Well, there's two, there's two schools of thought. In the okay. morning, in the morning, obviously, because like you, either you just worked out or you were sleeping all night. Your hair is going to be greasy, messed up, whatever. Um, you're going to be a little dirty from that. So take a shower for get ready for your day. It also wakes you up. Um, yeah. but at the end of the night, you've been doing all this stuff all day. You, you're you shouldn't necessarily be going into your bed in like a in a gross state. If you're like if you had sweated at all during the day, or if you, um, you know you're that's all going to be residue on your pillows and yeah. Um, so well, I, I shower, you shower, shower in the morning, wash your face at night. Yeah, and that's not a bad like. I mean, yeah, just any any self care. Uh, just make sure you're taking care of yourself at night. But I do I do shower during the mornings. But I know like, especially it seems women a lot more often shower at night. Um, and the the main reason I shower in the morning is because my hair gets disgusting if I <laughs> sleep, and then yeah, like, it's just greasy. You know, it, it doesn't. I, I typically I typically will end up actually showering after I work out. So like my shower schedule is based around my workout schedule. And right now what I'm actually doing is I'm running in the morning and I'm working out in the afternoon when my wife gets back from work. So I'll actually shower twice a day. So just because it's like dirty in both cases. So, you know, mm -hmm. it, it helps with my acne. So I don't know. Oh, and I also helps you sleep because the, your body cooling down from a hot shower mm -hmm. um, does help you sleep. So that's another reason to shower at night. Well, that's just the thing. I'll take a hot shower at night and then in the morning I'll take a cold one. Yeah. Ooh, James, James is James is our barbarian man over here. Yeah. <laughs> cold showers are some of the best. You know, I, I love oh, I love cold showers. Don't, don't lie to yourself. Cold showers, cold showers are what people do to torture themselves and then justify yeah, their do it. <laughs> so, right, James, you want to sign us off? Yep, I'll sign us off. Thanks for coming on, Drew. Really appreciate it. And for those of you who did like Drew, which appears to be all of you so far. Uh, yeah. we are going to have him back Saturday night at seven o'clock central time. Um, we're going to be ranking some of Drew's favorite, uh, races, foot races. And not, not, not ethnic races. We're just doing foot races. I want to make that clear. Okay. So when we, when we start saying things like, I really hate this race or these two races are basically the same. We're not talking about people. We're talking about, you know, self-inflicted torture here. Yeah. Which is exactly what running long distances is <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to do cardio do martial arts plain and simple that's what you need to take away from this podcast <laughs> anyway thank you everyone for watching really had a good time tonight thank you drew for coming on 
Um, if you like tonight's episode, go ahead and give us a, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitch, subscribe on YouTube, and follow us on Minds, Gab, and Facebook. Thank you again, and everyone have a great evening. <laughs>